0: morning so I did a Google search and I know it's gonna start we're gonna start today with a heavy question but I did a search on Google on what was the top cost for divorce can anyone guess Hmm. <laughs> top cost for divorce marriage <laughs> of course yes finances now okay finances is actually number four What? No, I heard letter I. Infidelity. Infidelity Infidelity is the number one reason for divorce. Can you guess the number one reason for infidelity? What? Boredom, Boredom, yes, that's part. Okay. Yes, of course, there's unholy desires for someone else, yes. The number one reason is an imbalance of the meeting of needs. And others would the the, the statistics the uh, the facts the fact sheet said there was a lack or loss of the spark quote unquote the spark or admiration and that's why they look for that spark somewhere else. And then I started to think if they had a theme song, it would be the theme song in Top Gun. It reveals my age, no? You've lost that love and feeling. <laughs> Okay, so you're probably wondering, why are we talking about divorce when we're in Genesis? That's such a far question, huh? Okay, but we'll talk about it, we're addressing it because of the whole point of today's sermon. Uh, I'll make a confession to you guys. When I prepared the sermon for Genesis 1, I was preparing for more of like a lecture. Apologetics, gap theory, you know, evolution and all of that. And then, when we had Bible study on Thursday, I realized that's probably not what the church needs to hear today. It's not a sermon, that's a lecture. That's a lecture with notes and PowerPoint slides. So, I had to reach, uh, well, change or redo the entire sermon. So, today we're going to do three things. First, of course, part of the sermon is to equip you and encourage you. Yes, there will be a lot of apologetics for parts of it. Okay, it's a bonus to equipping. It is to give you knowledge, foundations, to deepen your spiritual growth. That's one. Second thing we're going to do is I'm going to ask you guys some really painful questions. So sorry na lang ahead. Okay, so it's going to be questions that will challenge, that will examine our hearts. And I know it's painful because I asked myself the same questions and I had to repent. So the nice thing about preaching is the pastor who prepares the sermon, he's the first to repent. (laughs) The third point of today is we will hopefully, and this is really only by God, my deepest prayer today is that God would rekindle our wonder and awe of Him more than anything. Because doctrine without devotion or awe and wonder is cold and dead. There's no point. It's just facts. How many times have we heard ourselves say "Ah, claiming to be Christian knows all the facts about Jesus born in the manger told disciples died on the cross deba, betrayed by Judas we know the facts but how many of them can really say I love Christ so we're going to examine our hearts today think about this for a moment how many of you can honestly say you don't have to raise your hand but how many of you can honestly say I read the Bible daily think about that for a moment and then, palang, a lot of people are going, oh no. But let's raise it. How many of you can honestly say, I read the Bible daily with excitement? With joy. Because some, I read the Bible daily, pero, ah, I'm almost done with the chapter, four more verses, kaya pa, four more, four more. Three more, two more. Yes, I'm done. Done for today, Lord, huh? But we do that. We don't say it out loud, but our hearts feel that. Some naman say, I don't read my Bible every day, but when I do, it's passionate. Huh? It's like saying, I don't talk to my spouse every day, but when I do, there's passion. I'm just not consistent. Is that allowable? Will you say that makes up for a very good, stable relationship? No. So we have to ask ourselves those questions. You see, when we forget the relationship and focus on facts, here's what happens to us. First, our Bible reading becomes a duty. And then the duty gets tiring and then we quit. And then here's what will happen. We quit reading the Bible but we still come to church. You know why? Because we like the people in church. We have friends in church. We have common interests in church. And so here's what happens. I'm so excited to attend Bible study. Why? My my barcada is there and we're going to talk about our common hobbies. I'm so excited to go on Sunday. Why? Because my scuba diving buddy is there. Because my golf buddy is there. My basketball partner is there. Or no, tennis partner or whatever. We're excited to come to church not for God. We come on Sunday and Thursday because we enjoy our friendships. We've forgotten God. Is that possible? Is that true? Can be. It really, really can be. And so the ending is we find joy and relief in distractions because we no longer think of God's attributes. We're not admiring God anymore. We're not in awe and wonder of God. Genesis 1 is supposed to rekindle that. So, of course, Genesis, a little overview lang, just to think of Genesis. It's a book of origins. It's the first of the the Pentateuch, or the first five books. And here's something interesting. Genesis was actually read during Jewish festivals in Jerusalem. It was recited out loud, and people rejoiced over it. People rejoiced. Think about that for a moment. Genesis. Why would people rejoice? God created the heavens and the earth. Hooray! Why? Why is that such a big deal for them? Of course, Genesis reminds them and us the promises that God gave and assures us of his love. It's also got a really powerful theme on creation and then sin and then recreation. But more than that, Genesis is supposed to remind us, especially chapter 1, of the attributes of God. I know this is a long introduction and we're still not done but a few more thoughts before we get really really get into the text. When you read your bibles ba check your attitude and your heart as well. Because some of us do it this way. I'm doing my stuff. Okay, bible reading. I grab my bible. I know how to exegete this. I know the right context. Okay, I'm done. I know the history, commentary, done. I got my doctrines right. Padayon. How many of us pause for a moment and go Lord before I open your word please captivate my heart I might get all the right doctrines lord but my heart feels cold Lord please 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 I don't need to get all the doctrines right I don't need to get all the like the deep theological you know as long as sakto lang ang interpretation that's fine but what I really want lord is a relationship with you bring me back there How many of you have been Christians for more than 1 year Yeah Five years. Ten. The age is being revealed. (laughs) Okay. Yeah, but here's the tendency. When you're a very young Christian, you're so excited. It's like a new relationship, man. First date, second date, third date, tenth date. Ah, everything's exciting. And then panka one millionth date. Everything's familiar. That's where the song comes in. You've lost that love and feeling. It's all memories na lang, and it's all facts. So let's take a look at Genesis 1, verse 1. And before we get in there, please, lang ha, while, while I'm speaking here in the front, please keep asking yourself this question. Lord, am I in awe of you? Or am I just doctrinally correct? Okay? Genesis 1, verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. All that he makes, everything that comes from him is by default good. Not perfect, but good. Although everything he made is also perfect for his purposes. That includes the fall two weeks from now. Every quote-unquote negative bad thing we see, feel, experience, it's all still perfect for his purposes. And then people ask, so... God just made everything out of what? Nothing? Yes. From nothing into something. That is called the doctrine of ex nihilo. The doctrine of God creating something out of nothing. Scientifically, a little bit of tidbit. Remember, it's part apologetics, part foundations, but don't forget the devotional side. On the apologetic side, there was a, a person who asked, how does God, how does matter exist. And I think it was Sir William Lane Craig, I'm not sure, the who said, uh, for matter to exist, it must exist in time, and there must be space where the matter exists. And there must be someone or something to initiate action to create it. In the beginning, time, God, the first cause, created action, the heavens, space, and earth matter there. So God answers all the questions. But God making everything out of nothing, that's doctrine. How do we feel about that? About God as creator, that He's holy, He's set apart, He's unique. It's supposed to make us go, Whoa. Use your imagination for a moment. Think of nothing, or, or imagine nothingness. There's no temperature, no hot, nor cold. People think, oh, if it's, there's nothing. There's cold. No, there's nothing. Not even temperature exists. There's absolutely nothing. And then God speaks. And that powerful act of God creates everything. That's supposed to ignite something in us. It's supposed to make our hair stand. It's supposed to make our imaginations go, I don't have enough imagination for this. I don't have enough CGI in my brain to think about something so whoa it's mind blowing we're supposed to feel that not only does God create everything God or think about it this way everything else has a beginning except God God eternally exists everything else has a beginning not only that every everything else has a creator Take it one step higher. Everything was created by God. So we draw. Or we write a poem. We compose music. We write a book. A short story. And we think, I created this. No, God created that. No, but I made it. Yeah, but who made you? God. So, God. So everything we see here, your clothes, the chairs, the air conditioner, the laptop, everything exists because God Period. That suddenly is supposed to make us very small or feel very, Lord, I'm, I feel so insignificant. You're so big. Psalm 33, 6 says, By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made, their starry host by the breath of his mouth. One simple star can wipe all of us out. Agree? You watch those movies, Armageddon. One meteor, we're dead, we're done. But all of that, infinite stars, meteors, supernovas. God says, "That's nothing." The one word, I made all of that. The power, the creativity, the the bigness of God is something we cannot imagine. Such a being, even if we don't think of the cross of Jesus just the fact that he's creator he deserves worship even if he didn't save us even if there was no cross even if we are dead in sin and he doesn't save us we should still worship him by the mere fact that he is capital C creator and we are all creatures we are all creations good things even good things even if there was no fall so no sin no fall this is not hardcore doctrinal, okay? And this is, this is just me trying to challenge your imagination for a, for a while. Even if there was no fall, good things still do not deserve the privilege of worshiping the perfect being. Because good and perfect are so far apart. Only the perfect deserves the privilege of worshiping the perfect so the only worship that the triune God receives perfectly is the worship of God the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. It's perfect relationship. As redeemed as we are, as good as we are now, we don't deserve the privilege of even praising His name. And yet He receives it. Habakkuk 3 verse 4 says this, His radiance is like the sunlight. He has rays flashing from his hand, and there is the hiding of his power. So Habakkuk says, the rays that come out of his hand, the light, the, the sunlight, the brightness that can blind your eyes, it's so bright, it can blind you, and that's God hiding pa his power. Right? It's so powerful, he's so powerful, it's impossible to hide that. Even with Christ, you see the glory of God in Christ. And then God says in verse 4 that He separates light from darkness. Why? Because God is light. In Him, there is no darkness at all. 1 John 1, verse 5. God is not just light. God is not just something that illuminates things. God is the source of all light. All that is good, all that is joyful, all that has hope, all happiness. All things that make you smile. All the memories and the moments that you feel good. All the things that make you feel fulfilled. God is the source of all of that. We should be praising God every moment of every day. And yet we don't. That is how capital C God is. How do we view God now? Many times we don't really view God as creator. We view God as savior, provider. Things that would meet our need. Savior, because I need a savior. Provider, I need food. We want God to be sovereign. Why? So I get my assurance. I need God to be uh, all loving because I need patience from him. Because I know I offend him all the time. We look at all of God's attributes that benefit us we have to start meditating on his attributes also that really causes us to be in awe of him, regardless if he went to the cross or not. Now look at verse 6 to 13. I won't read everything, but verses 6 to 13 talks about God then separating the waters, and then he called the expanse heaven, and then he called the dry land earth. And then on earth, he made vegetation, plants that yield seed, fruit that bears trees, and all of these things would bear more fruit and more trees according to their kind. Okay, so what does that mean for us? That God is the source of life. In fact, when we think of it this way, God created the conditions to sustain life, earth, water, dry land. He created the conditions to sustain life and then he made life itself. Okay, he created life itself when we think of the heavens the expanse we're not just thinking of our atmosphere on earth huh? because when we read this we think heavens and the earth okay heavens means sky so stratosphere that the, the scientists here you'll know it about right? stratosphere and then the other sphere that's up to like five or six I, I don't know but here when we talk about heavens it's everything outside of the dry land that is earth so if this is earth, and this is land, this is our dry land, and you've got here maybe the sky, and then this is outside earth, and then everywhere, in all directions, all of that, that's heavens. Everywhere. God separates everything else and then our little piece of rock in the universe. So, don't th- so imagine that for a moment. He separates everything and creates a little, tiny, tiny, Kung pa, a little tiny neighborhood for us that sustains life. When he did that, have we ever thought of how impossible it is for life to exist? I did some research. The statistics, the probability for all the conditions on earth to sustain life is one trillion to the power of one trillion and then do that four times. So one trillion to the power of one trillion to the power of one trillion to the power of one trillion. Basa four ng one trillion. That's the probability. If the earth made a mistake in how it rotates okay, around the sun, why is it not a perfect rotation? Why is it that the earth goes near to the sun at certain points and then it twists? Because when the earth is nearest to the sun, the sun is facing the oceans. So we don't get fried. And then the ocean cools everything for us. And then it does the whole thing with the clouds and then produces rain, etc., etc. You put the earth one inch nearer, farther, we either burn or freeze to death. It's so improbable. Why hasn't a single meteor hit us in 2,000 years? Not a single one. There should be one small one, but why? gravity of the moon and then the gravity of the other planets that surround us in all other planets lightning storms or there's what you call lava world the improbability is impossible but because god is life and creates life he sustains life either we are impossibly lucky or we were made for a purpose Either we're just an accident or we are worshipers. There's a cosmologist by the name of Stephen Mayer and several other cosmologists who's written so many books on this. But we don't want to talk much about that. What I want to talk about is the awe and the wonder. We have to realign ourselves and humble ourselves This is supposed to cause us to fall on our faces because there's more to life than making money, fighting off sickness, waiting for old age, while running after fads and fakes before we reach our funerals. There's more to life. If we believe that we're made for a purpose, then we will be excited because we know that we can worship him. Without that, voila, pointless. Everything is pointless. We will all become nihilists. Let's just find happiness in the chaos because in the end, that's all that there is anyway. Now look at verses 14 to 19. Again, I won't read everything. But verses 14 to 19 shows us that God created seasons He says in verse 14, let there be lights in the expanse of the heavens to separate the day from the night, and let them be signs for seasons and for days and for years. And then he created the two great uh, lights, so we call that night and day, or day and night. What does that mean for us? God not only controls life, not only does he sustain and create life, but God is in control of every season. And we're not just talking about winter, spring, summer, or fall. Here in the Philippines, two seasons are manta, wet and dry. <laughs> That's it. But God controls the passage of time and every event while that time passes. Second Peter 3 verse 8 and 9 says this, With the Lord one day is a thousand years and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slack concerning His promise as some count slackness in other words God is not delayed like oh no I, I missed control over this thing God isn't like that so we have our timetables and we think God should answer my prayer today God should do this for me now that but Lord by next month huh? here's my goal next month you do it huh and then Lord how come wala pa? I'm praying naman. I have faith naman. man you're slack God we don't say it that way we don't even say it, but how we act reveals our hearts. And we know this when it comes to relationships, diba? We don't say the words, but we act it. And then you go, you say, okay, and then when you go down, Ay. we don't say, Kapuya, oy. we'll do it. Pero, Ay, sige, oh, fine, see, And that's how we behave towards God too. We will never say, God, dugaya ni mo. we never say it. But we look for other things to satisfy us. We look for other functional saviors. We look for idols. Idolatry is just us rolling our eyes on God. Saying, "Hi, di- fine, I'll do my own thing. But I worship you, Lord. Huh? That's when God says, Sometimes we are guilty of honoring God with our lips, but our hearts are far from him. Why, when we think about it, why is that the case with us? Because we forget that God is in control of every season. We want to be in control of our own seasons. That's also why. Isaiah 46, 9, and 10 says this, Remember the former things, those of long ago. I am God, there is no other. I am God, there is none like me. I make known the end from the beginning, from ancient times, what is still to come. I say, my purpose will stand, and I will do all that I please. Can you imagine, when I'm considering making this my life verse. So whenever I'm impatient, Lord, I want you to do as I please. And then God says, no, I will do what I please. Okay, okay. <laughs> you know how God is called the Alpha and the Omega? You know what that means, right? Basic meaning? God is the beginning and the end. You know what that really means? The extended meaning of Alpha and Omega? God is the beginner of all that of all that has a beginning, and God is the ender of everything that has an end. If something begins because it's because God made it begin why did something end God made it end he's the Alpha and the Omega we have to think of God that way Lord nan wala paman. I am the Alpha okay Lord what happened wala man. I am the Omega okay that's what it means for us when we're so impatient over so many things when we attempt to take credit for any accomplishment, that's actually foolish. Can you picture it? A little germ on a big rock saying, I made this beautiful whatever book, bestseller or a musical masterpiece or whatever. I did this. You can you say alpha? Who's the alpha again? That happened because God is the beginner of that and he's the beginner of you and he can end you. So when we take credit, when we say, oh, give me some credit also, what credit? If you accomplish something, it's God who accomplished it through you. It's a privilege that God used you. You should even go, Lord, I don't deserve the privilege of accomplishing anything good in my life. The only thing I deserve is the exact opposite of grace. Our, Our hearts can be so prideful. Genesis 21, verse 2 says, Sarah conceived and bore Abraham a son in his old age at the set time of which God had spoken to him. If, if you put yourself in Abraham's shoes, Lord, I want a kid, I want a son, I want a son. I want a son, Lord. I want a son, Lord. Can you imagine how long Abraham waited? An entire lifetime. And then he even said, Oh, well, maybe if among yod. Maybe it's through a maidservant. Maybe it's through a slave. Say, like, yeah, we'll try this. What did Abraham do? I'll worship you happen. I'll do my own thing. That was really it. We can relate in our own ways. We try every day to control our life's own seasons. Agree? When will I get married? When will I have a baby? When will my career finally receive its Success. When will I start my business? When will I finish my studies? When will my friendships start or become better or improve? What about my breakthroughs in life in certain struggles? What about my spiritual maturity? I want it now. Lord, give me patience now. I want to be humble. I'm humble now. No, that's pride again. Our lifespan. You can go to the gym and you can eat all the right food, and tomorrow a truck can just turn you into part of the road. Diba? How come there are some people, they eat all the wrong stuff and they live forever? It's God. In fact, let's not think of seasons na lang. Let's think of this. When you're driving, dugaya sa red magreen. Kanan na lang? In a restaurant. Like in a food, maluto. in the smallest details of our lives, we try to be our own Alpha and Omega. We try. <laughs> Doesn't mean we can, but we try. I'm asking you guys these questions because my hope is not to just make you go, agay. That's not the goal, okay? The goal is to say, Lord, I am trying so much. To be my own god because i'm trying to have wonder and awe for myself when it should be you verse 20 to 25 we'll camp here for a bit here we will see that god created all kinds of animals and there is a phrase that is repeated here over and over again the phrase is according to its kind god created creatures everything that moves with which to sw- the waters swarm according to their kinds every winged bird according to its kind in verse 24 it says let the earth bring forth living creatures according to their kinds livestock creeping things beasts of the earth according to their kinds and god made beasts of the earth according to their kinds and livestock according to their kinds and everything that creeps on the ground according to its kind and god saw it was good parang sirang plaka no According to its kind, according to its kind, according to its kind. Why? According to this ki- to their kind, kind of addresses macroevolution. So a little bit on apologetics. Uh, we actually had a class on apologetics, so uh, we can talk about this later on, maybe after service or over lunch or inana. But just as a zoom out summary version lang. If you really want to learn about this, go on YouTube, search Stephen Mayer. Darwin's Doubt, okay, YouTube. Stephen Mayer, Darwin's Doubt. Um, If you study that or listen to that, it will really, really uh, open your mind to a lot of problems with macro evolution. Uh, It's an industry of error, hoaxes, and cover-ups. Darwinism, classic Darwinism, has four basic pillars. And the four basic pillars are all wrong. First pillar, the Stanley Miller experiment. There was a guy named Dr. Stanley Miller. He thought that he knew the atmosphere of primitive earth. And he recreated that atmosphere and he, he got an electric electric current to go through it to produce amino acids. And it worked. Problem was, later on, they found out that he chose the wrong atmosphere. Okay, so what he thought was primitive Earth's atmosphere was wrong. The primitive Earth's atmosphere was actually the same ingredients for embalming fluid. Embalming fluid is what you use to preserve the dead. Okay, in fact, embalming fluid is so toxic that if you leave one bottle open, just a cover, you just don't cover it, in a room, it will fry all the amino acids in the room. Okay, so, or proteins. So for those of you in the medical, chemical fields, you know this. The second one is called Darwin's Tree of Life. Darwin's Tree of Life basically says evolution does not jump. So if you've got the timeline, this is zero, and then this is the year 2000, 2020. Naman ta. So year zero to year 2020, Okay. the species here cannot go from single-celled organism to a bird. His theory is single cell, two cells, three cells, maybe a little bacteria. The bacteria turns to this, and then, okay, until after millions and millions and millions and millions of years, intelligent monkey. Or you and me. Dao. Kuno. The problem is, after much excavation, they found an entire layer called the Cambrian explosion. And they say, or the, que- the, the other scientists question Darwin's tree of life. They say, if evolution cannot jump, how come you've got nothing, 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 very primitive cells, primi- primitive cells, and then a Cambrian era, complete, fully set, functional. What happened there? Another problem. Third pillar is Heckler's, Heckler's embryos. Basically, he says that all... All species, humans, lizards, monkeys, birds, etc., all come from the same genetic makeup. Later, they found out that he faked his specimens and chose biased stages of life to make them all look the same. Lastly, we have the Archaeopteryx. It is like a half between a dinosaur, a bird, etc., etc. The problem is, (laughs) uh, the Archaeopteryx contradicts the study of cladistics in other words what makes you a bird is not the fact that you just have feathers they will look at your system your spine your reproductive organs etc okay so in the same way I have hair my cat also has hair does that make me a cat no so it's that simple okay so you can read more on this you can read Michael Denton's book called evolution a theory in crisis but you have to remember, this is an industry of hoaxes. The RKO Raptor, they found out it was a hoax. Parts were glued to each other. <laughs> Elmer's glue is ang katapat no to make millions of dollars. There's actually a fake fossil factory in China, in the province of Liaoning. They said they discovered what you call the Bambi Raptor. Apparently, a taxidermist used fake eyes and fake feathers and put them together. Uh, The Java Man, you're familiar with the Java Man, right? A guy who loves to drink Java. (laughs) The Java Man was actually just a picture drawn by an artist based on a skull cap, a thigh bone, and three teeth. National Geographic Science invited four different artists to paint four different versions of what they thought the man looked like based on these. Skull, thigh bone, Three teeth. The four of them drew four very different things. And they only the end result, the industry chose the one that looked most like human. One drew a werewolf, another drew something that didn't have a jaw. You know, so it's an industry of hoax. Hoaxes, mistakes. But here's the bigger question. So that's the apologetic side. But here's the bigger question. Does your life really have meaning? Or are you just a puddle of meat with the same value as the pig, the frozen pig foot sold in the grocery stores? If we're just products of evolution, if we're just evolved monkeys, what makes it wrong for us to kill each other? Lions do it. Tigers do it. We feed fish to cats, we feed chicken to dogs. Why is a cat more important? That we can kill fish to feed the cat. We can kill chicken to feed the dog. Because the dog looks cute, chickens don't. Why? Who got to decide that? We protect baby seals and massacre baby humans. We cry animal abuse to change the sex of a pet. But we call it a right to change the sex of an eight-year-old boy. If we have to clarify this, because it's an inconsistent value system. If we truly, truly believe, okay, if we truly believe that we come from monkeys, we can kill each other, it shouldn't be immoral or moral. It should just be an action, That's it. I can rob someone and it should be fine. Why? Survival of the fittest. Right? It's the improvement of the human race. We should just murder all the beggars if evolution was true. No kidding. It it should be a mass massacre. Why? Because we're improving the species. So where do these values come from? Compassion, mercy. Generosity. Where do these come from? We'll talk about that. Still in the same sermon. Just to end this part, lang, there's a guy named Dean Kenyon. He's a biophysicist. And he wrote in his book, The Mystery of Life's Origins. He wrote, The emergence of life might have been biochemically predestined because of an inherent attraction between amino acids. After more and more years of study and research, he actually repudiated the conclusions of his own book and declared that he was critical of all naturalistic theories of origins due to the immense molecular complexity, I'm reading the quote, immense molecular complexity of the cell and the information-bearing properties of DNA and RNA, and now believes that the best evidence points to a designer of life. Changed his position. Career suicide. Why? Why? Because it's so obvious. Genesis 1, to 31. Here, he talks about God making man. He says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, the, over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God made man in his image. In the image of God, he created him male and female. He created them. And God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. We'll Pause there. This is called the doctrine of Imago Dei. We are created in the image and likeness of God. That means we have value. And we have purpose value means we're not just another smart monkey okay but purpose also means we are not free to do whatever we want value gives us our intrinsic worth purpose gives us our limitations I hope that's clear uh, Stephen Mayer, again, I really like this guy. I'm, uh, I've been following his writings for quite some time. Stephen Mayer, by the way, has degrees in physics, geology, master's in history, philosophy, molecular biology, physics, evolutionary theory, and he's got a doctorate and dissertation in scientific and methodological issues in origin of life biology. I know that sounds impressive, but You can research more on that. But here's what he says. He says, pantheism cannot explain the origin of the universe because pantheists believe in an impersonal god that's coextensive with the physical universe. So it doesn't answer the theory of where we came from. Deism cannot explain the evidence of discrete acts of design or creation after the universe was created. Why? Because these thick gods are not supposed to intervene. So he says, if we really think about it, We have the capacity for self-reflection, for representation art, for language, for creativity. Science cannot account for this kind of consciousness merely from the interaction of physical matter in the brain. In other words, we're we're more than just smarter monkeys. The Imago Dei makes compassion, charity, generosity, love, selflessness... These traits, the Imago Dei, makes these traits good, moral. Why do we rejoice when we see someone helping? When we see someone say, "Oh, I'm going to donate X amount of millions of dollars to the poor. Why do people applaud and clap and think he's admirable? Because we understand that we have value and we have worth. The Imago Dei is also what makes murder, robbery, lying, slander, etc. wrong and wicked. If we remove Imago De, we have to flip the values. Murder, slander, robbery, lying, these will be good values. If we remove God, huh, these will become good values. Why? Because the species will survive. And selflessness, generosity, compassion, those are bad values if we remove God. Because it will lead to the destruction of the species. Imagine something that's weak and then you are willing to die for that weak thing. You're not even sure if that weak thing will survive, so now two of you are dead. It's wrong for the species if there is no imago Day. Now, this is the doctrinal apologetics side. But you know what it also means? It means for us personally, that we have roles given by our Creator. He made us for a purpose. Our lives have meaning. These limitations are for our own good. If you use your cell phone like a hammer, what will happen to your phone? You'll ruin your phone, and the nail, if it could laugh, it would laugh at you. Why? Because purpose dictates... Goals, purpose also dictates limitations. We were made for a purpose, so we need to know what our purpose is. When God said, "Let us make man in our own image," we're not going to get into the whole. The hour is it? The Trinity is it? The angels? We're not going to talk about that. Okay, that's we can do that during lunch or I uh, know. What we want to talk about here is how, what it means for us today. How can we apply this in our lives? The our own image means four things. First, it's physical. The human body is actually an art form. Okay, it's an art form if you really think about it. It's the only body with, with the capacity for art, for science, for beauty, for appreciation. Only the human body is capable of these things. Second, it's relational. When he says, in our image, our is plural, that's relational, we are relational, social creatures as well. That means we must value relationships. And our first relationship must be with Christ or with God. First. That's why it's so scary. Ba. We can come here ba, in church. We can come to Bible study. And we're not excited about God. We're more excited about our barcada, our relationship, so we can make chica about the latest fad, the latest fashion, the latest, I don't know, whatever opportunity is out there. And you just can't wait for the Bible study to be finished. You know, this is something that we just have to get out of the way. It's a wrong heart. We also have the capacities. So, okay, so physical, relational capacity, we've talked about that, art, language, culture, it's also representational. It means our bodies are to represent God and his authority and dominion over the earth, that we are to be stewards of this earth, to not hoard, not abuse, not misuse, not destroy. But we're supposed to be good stewards. Representational also means we represent God. And God said he created us Male and female, boy and girl, two genders. Period. No LGBT, no homosexuality or whatever. Now I'm saying this with a firmness in my tone, but we need to show love and compassion and gentleness in how we talk to them and and share the gospel to them. But again, if evolution is right, if evolution is right, homosexuality will still be wrong. Why? it doesn't promote the, the longevity of the species. If evolution is right, LGBT is wrong. If God is right, evolution is still wrong because we're created male and female. So LGBT ideology is a mindset that goes against theism. It also goes against atheism. You know where it comes from? It just comes from imagination. That's really it. Now, we're, we're just looking at logic, but still, again, male and female. Men and women have different physical, relational, emotional capacities with an inherent design. Inherent design. Think about it. Muscle mass. Men and women are designed differently. Bone mass, bone structure, the number of ribs. Reproductive organs. Emotional ranges. Uh, I don't want to get into it, but there's a study, and you can study this biologically, okay? F- on the physiological side. There is... So right brain, my right, your, your left. So anyway, right brain, left brain hemispheres. There's a small... It's called a bridge. Uh, I forgot the name of the, sci- the scientific name, but there's a bridge in the middle of those two. For the women, as the women grow up, that's not removed. But for the men for boys, just by normal growth, that gets cut. Hence, the capacity for men to compartmentalize more. I'm not saying it as a joke. I'm saying it as a scientific fact. So we're all wired differently, created with a design that is inherently different. So for one to say he is the other, that he's a she or she is a he or whatever, it's just illogical, philosophically wrong, it's Just wrong either way. And we have a purpose, to go and to multiply. In other words, to be good stewards, to have good dominion over earth. We're supposed to represent God to his creation, thereby worshiping him. When we think about this, the the Bible continues and says that God, in verse 29, gave them he said, Behold, I've given you every plant-yielding seed that is on the face of all the earth, and every tree with seed in its fruit, you shall have them for food. God said, Here's earth. I made it for, for my glory, for you to take care of, to be stewards of, and these will take care of you in return. If we think about it, whenever we take fruit from the earth, resources from the earth, we're supposed to glorify and thank God. Every breath we take, that's oxygen coming from earth, which God made, the sun that hits us, that keeps us warm, the water that we drink, the food that we eat. Why do we do all this? Because God is creator. Why does the world push evolution? Why does the world teach political correctness? A simple answer to that is to avoid divine accountability. They want to ease their conscience. They want to soothe their guilt. Romans 1 tells us that the world suppresses the truth. It's very obvious. There's a chair. Someone must have made the chair. There's a camera. Someone must have made the camera. There's earth. No one made the earth. I mean... It's kind of obvious now. But what we we think that's very foolish, but don't we do this every day to suit our own biases too? A very, very silly example I really love using because it's so obvious, but people still do it. Kitamo anang tao. This person was a crush on another person, and then they start texting. And then the person just says, Hi, it na you. And then there's an assumption. Ah, she likes me. Huh? Why? Because she asked if I ate, therefore she cares, and care means affection, affection means love, therefore she's in love. Where'd you get that? Huh? We try to interpret facts and events in our lives to kind of make it fit our own hopes. I know that's a silly example, but what about work? Oh, there's a promotion coming. The boss talked to me and said that I'm reliable. Ah, the promotion's mine. Oh, the boss, and the boss was writing paperwork and then he glanced at me and smiled. That promotion's really mine. <laughs> huh? The boss tapped my shoulder before going to the CR. Ah, well, nah, I'm the manager. Nah. <laughs> next week. I know it's next week. <laughs> Did we do that? And then promotion went to someone else. Oh, why? All the signs were there. Don't say signs. It's the same with God. Ah, God, I've been praying for this. And then I look at the Bible, oh, it said, and then you twist verses. We do this all the time. We still, in a way, suppress the truth for our own desires. When we sin, we make justifications too. Oh, papan gihatag Ginoo, so pwede siguro. God will understand. God knows I'm not perfect. Din naman makayo sa emotions. What about self-control? If you're a Christian, where's the fruit of the Spirit? I couldn't wait anymore. Where's patience? Self-control, love, joy, peace, patience. What's happening to us as Christians? We have to start thinking this way. So to end, there are four things that I truly, truly hope. First, I hope and pray everyone got a little bit equipped with uh, the apologetic side, of course, honestly, it fascinates me. I love apologetics. Okay, but that's not the point of Genesis 1. So that's the first, get equipped. Second, get grounded on your doctrines, your foundations, what you believe, the Imago Dei, Ex Nihilo, those are good doctrines. These are good for our spiritual growth. Third, our values, our worldviews our convictions should be shaped by the Creator. Not by ourselves, not by the world, not by whatever political agenda is out there, not by whatever Disney is trying to push now, and Disney is pushing a lot of things, to the younger generation, diba? FYI, Disney confirmed. Frozen 3, not 2, 2 is coming out. Frozen 3, Disney already confirmed. Elsa will have a female interest. So Elsa will be the new Disney poster child for LGBT. Okay, so the world will teach so many different things, but we have to shape our beliefs and convictions on Scripture. But here's the fourth and the most important. Let me confess, this is also my greatest fear for NCC. Fourth is that we should be in wonder and awe of our Creator. We read in Revelation, ba. He says to the Ephesian church, you can spot false teachers from a mile away. Your theological noses are so good. You can detect heresy so quickly. Not a single false teacher can enter your church without being spotted. Can you imagine that? Wow. But then God said this, I have this against you. You've lost that love and feeling. You've lost your first love. My greatest fear for NCC is this: that we become so theological and we genuinely love theology, we genuinely love truth, we genuinely love one another. We genuinely love our common interests, but we don't love God anymore. <laughs> we just come on Sunday service to feel good, to soothe our conscience Nga Christian patahanag service, taha, but in our hearts... What are we going after? What are we doing after? Nah, another? unsay showing? ano movie? Thursday. What's after Thursday? Korean tana? Kaunta? Let's buffet? We're not thinking of like kanina lang. Saturday nights. And I, I wrote something about this uh, on my Facebook. But Saturday nights. How many of us decide to sleep early? To force ourselves to sleep early? Diba, when you're on a first date, first date, ah, oh, you sleep so early. Oy. Diba, what time? Or, break, no, date is usually dinner. Diba, breakfast date. What time are you meeting her? Breakfast date lagi ba, Grabiha. ha. Excited kay ko? What time mo magkita? 7 a.m. So what time matug? 4 p.m. Huh? Too early? Diba, I want to be rested. I don't want to go there groggy. Diba, palang focus. I can't deepen our relationship. If I'm groggy, diba? Oh, and then, some go the extra mile pa. I'll search the Facebook page. Of the account tonight, para to see sa yung interest ba? In other words, read ahead, no? How do we treat God? Saturday night, What time? Sigilang. ok Now I understand if some of you have problems with this, but if you can ba, if you can just let go of the phone, let go of this, stop watching, you know, kind intentional bitaw self destruction, and then we come to church drained we prepare for our dates because we value the relationship we hope to deepen how we treat sundays and then we say to god god pasalamat ka. Nga, ano, i was still on time but it's just a heart attitude really how do we view sundays how do we view our relationship with god that's the real question, guys. I know these are painful questions. And murako nga ba? kas ako may una na igu reading. Lord wanamang kui mo. When I read your Bible, I just I can exegete this. I have my commentaries, I have my context, I have my different translations. Okay. Correct interpretation. Done. Done writing my sermon? Done. Is that supposedly our hearts? Today we kind of change it just for today lang, unless you want it to be like this no. But we're we're gonna sing two songs before lunch, two instead of three and then one. We're gonna try two and two. And here's why. Normally kung no not one song. It's the song we sing while waiting for the food to arrive. No, or obligatory singing ba? Okay, we're supposed to. Para lang ma-close weird nga close. Amen. Done. So. Many of us think that way. I have to admit, when I was a young Christian, that's how I thought. Okay? And when we sing, we don't really sing. You know what we do? We just sway. No? You know what that is like to God? It's kind of like, let's talk to your spouse or your best friend. Let's talk. I'm listening. I'm listening, huh? Won't worship God? Let's worship God. How many of you believe truly believe that God sees the heart and not the voice? I know, man. Some of us, I'm yabag man, good, good, good like sayup ako ang pag. I used to last na lang ni before we end. I, I attended a church before, and this was super encouraging because there was this guy who attended our church before. This was many many years ago in Manila pa, and he had a condition where he had he didn't have good full control over his right side of his body. Okay? So his left side was fine. But his right side kanan ki ang siya, Ana ba? Preach the gospel to the guy. He got saved. He went to church. Pinaka dili maka timing. <laughs> he really can't you know our church before we used to clap. Pag clap church and then you hear one clap. And then a clap Tanan, and then his clap in the back. He can't time because his right hand You know it can't hit its You know, so sometimes air clap. And then he can't sing well. You know why? Right side, remember? So his tongue is also a little... So he can't pronounce the words. He can't... It sounds a lot like a distraction. If you're standing in the front, he stood in the back, man. It's so distracting. And this was my heart, huh? I was somewhere in the middle. That was my heart, okay? And then I look back, I turn around, and you see this guy, tears falling down his face, just sobbing and crying. Ah, repent ko on the spot. Oh, Lord, sorry, Lord. And then I talked to him after. I said, can you tell me your story? yahang tubag simple kaayo. I felt like nobody really loved me, my whole family. I feel like I was a burden to them growing up. So now I'm still a burden a lot of that, but here's one thing I know. One day I'm going to have a body that functions well. And I can worship God. I will have a really good voice to sing for him. I will be I will my claps will be on time with the chorus of the angels and all of that. That's his imagination. I told him, bro, you know, God, I think already God sees your heart more than your claps. And then he, here's the funny thing. Here's what he said. Bro, I know that. I know that. But it doesn't change the fact that I want to worship him the way I know he deserves. And he doesn't deserve this from me. And go, Lord, I'm so wrong. So we're going to sing Two songs. I'm gonna challenge you guys. Let's worship God. Really worship God. Not just ah okay, that's good lyrics, but let's don't think of performance. Don't think that you're singing and kad dungatao. You only have one audience. That's the one who saved us. Amen. Let's pray.